Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Bibles, go ahead and open those to uh, Titus. That's right, I said Titus. Titus chapter 3. It's okay, don't worry if you need to use your table of contents. It's good. It's there for a reason. Go ahead and open to the book of Titus. It's toward the back, uh, or if you uh, get it on an app, it should be easy. Just scroll down and tap the buttons. Titus chapter 3. Now, if you're online, we are going to take communion today. And so I invite you to get some form of juice or bread. Uh, If you're here in the building and you didn't pick one up on your way in, don't worry. We'll have uh, some ushers to help you towards the end of the service when that becomes uh, part of of how we worship today. But uh, if you're online, go ahead and and grab that while we're uh, getting getting started here. Titus chapter 3. Now, Titus is an interesting book. It wasn't written by someone named Titus. It was written by the Apostle Paul to someone named Titus. And Titus was a pastor in Crete. And Crete was a weird place, a dangerous place. Uh, It was a a place of, uh, it's an island, it still is today. Um, But back then, it was known for kind of deception and lying. Uh, It was a port of call. So, People from various parts of the Roman Empire would stop in Crete. And it was almost like an airplane terminal, just a big one, where you would come in. They would have routes that would, that would come from various places. Italy would come into this port, and I don't know, Gaul would come into this port, and Egypt would come in from this port. And you would move around, and there was a lot of trade. But there was a lot of deception that went on because of this. And, uh, and Paul, instead of thinking, oh, that's a terrible place for a church, said this is a wonderful place for churches. There's so many people moving in and out here, and this is a great place. And so he sent Titus to be the pastor of these churches. Now the problem was, is that some of the leaders of the church were falling back into quote-unquote Cretan ways. And so he wanted to encourage Titus and tell him what was important to declare to the Cretan people. And this is one of the things, one of the best things that Paul says, I want them to hear this over and over and over and over again. So hear this this morning. At one time, we we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. 
He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Well, we're still in our series of this family vacation. And there was something I noticed about vacations. They have highs and they have lows, don't they? And, and any vacation, you, you have those. It's, it's just one of those things. And if we're not careful, we can paint too negative of a picture. And sometimes we can paint too grand of a picture or focus on some of the wrong things or, or some of the, the points. And, and it's really hard when we get back to, to describe to others the, the wonder of what we experience. And I was, I was trying to think of which vacation I wanted to share with you guys. And so I decided that I would share this one with you. So we, uh, Lori and I were blessed. When we were living in Northern Ireland, we had a friend who taught at the University of the Aegean in Lesbos, Greece. Big island off the coast of Turkey. And he happened to be in Ireland when we were chatting with him and we were talking about vacation we weren't sure what to do he said hey i'm going to be out of my apartment for two weeks in august if you'll take care of my fish you can have it we're like oh yes and the you know the sad but good news for us the fish were dead before we got there so didn't even have to do that we got there beautiful little apartments overlooked the Aegean Sea. We could see the sun rise or set, I can't remember, over Turkey. Nice breeze blowing in. We moved into our apartment where we were going to spend the next parts of our, our uh, couple of weeks there. And we just thought, this is great. No air conditioning, but a beautiful breeze is blowing. This is just going to be wonderful. About the time that that thought left my mind... The wind shut off completely. And the temperature rose to about 95 to 97 degrees. It cooled off to around 87 at night. Whew. It was hot. And if I were to focus just on the fact that it was hot and there was no wind for a good portion, you would think that we had a terrible vacation. But it wasn't. Because we would have missed some of the amazing things on the vacation. Now, one of the things that I love to focus on on this vacation is this is where I fell in love with Greek and Mediterranean food. I mean, we would walk down from our little apartment right there at the, uh, at the old port of Mytilene. And you could see, this is the, the new port was over on the other side of town, but we were right there. We'd walk down literally at the end of our block, and there's the old port. It's crumbling, and, but this is where the book of Acts would tell us that the Apostle Paul came off a boat right there in front of where we were sitting down eating. He walked right somewhere in there. And we learned, and we, we, we would see the octopus that were strung out, ready to be 
cooked. And let me tell you, if you have not ever had roasted or grilled octopus, you don't know what you're missing. How many of you love the taste of steak? How many of you love shrimp? Imagine the two combined. I'm hungry right now. And if I were just to talk with you about all the intricacies of Greek and Mediterranean food and go through everything that I sampled or tried or ate, which I could and I'm happy to if there are any foodies in the building, uh, you would get really bored, even though it was a really good experience for me. And if I were to focus there or on the quote-unquote negative of the heat that happened, we would miss the, the totality, the, the wonder of the enjoyment of the vacation. We would miss the things, miss talking about the history of the 10th century castle that was right in view above the old harbor where Paul would have come ashore so long ago. We would miss the Roman aqueducts that we saw. We would miss the beauty of the pebble-lined beaches. And if I went on and on and on, on any one of those things, eventually you all would get bored, like maybe you are right now. You see, there is something about a vacation that it makes it difficult And you have to keep shifting the focus. Yes, there are highs of food and history and beauty and one, and there are lows of of heat and, and, you know, ancient plumbing that doesn't work as well as it should. But it is all of this together that makes up the wonder and the awesomeness of a good vacation. Now, the same can be said about our faith journey. And that's what we've been trying to use this metaphor of a vacation to talk about. That the faith journey is also something that is big and and it is massive and it is all-encompassing. It is something that we go on and it has highs and it has lows. And if we focus too intently on either one, we miss the global or the wonder of that beautiful journey that we call Christianity. And so I love that Paul, in writing to Titus about these are the things that I want you to tell the Cretans. I want you to repeat it over and over until they hear it, until there's a deep change in them, until they begin to live out the Jesus life in Cretan culture. Keep saying this to them. Keep preaching this to them. He starts, of course, with the negative, like I did, about heat. And he talks about, in verse 3, you can turn there. At one time, we too, so he includes himself, we were there. We too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passion and pleasure. I like the way Eugene Peterson uh, translates this in the message. He said, we were just led around by our glands and our stomachs. There's a, there's a real, he's, a, he's really painting a, a dark picture. He's talking about sin and where it leads us. He says, we lived in malice and envy. It broke down relationships. We weren't looking to the good for others. We were looking at them with malice, with cruel intent. We were envious if somebody had something that we wanted. 
And we were being hated. And we were hating one another. This is a dark picture. It's that low. It's that cooling off to 87 degrees on your vacation with no air conditioning. He wants to make sure that they remember that low place. And the church, sometimes, if we're not careful, we can get stuck focusing only on the negative things that happen in people's lives. Maybe you've been a part of a church like that before. Where it's just all about how we're, you know, just terrible people and we're foolish and we're disobedient and we're deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passion and pleasure. And they go into all kinds of detail about all the ways that you are enslaved and and all of those kinds. And it's just week in and week out continuing to just hammer that point home. And just like if I were to just talk for hours on end about the heat in Greece, eventually you would just say, enough. Did anything good happen on your vacation? When churches get so focused there, it's not that it's not important, but when that is your sole and driving focus, you miss the all-encompassing salvation that Jesus died to bring. And so Paul, really quickly in telling this to Titus, goes through all of that list. And then in verse 4, you ought to circle that word, but. So all of this is true. It was very hot on our vacation. It was 97 in the day. It cooled off to 87 at night. And there was no wind and no breeze. And the fan made all kinds of funny noises that kept you awake all night. But there was a beautiful castle, and there was amazing food, and there oh wait, I'm rushing ahead. We had all of these things, and sin enslaves us and breaks down our relationship with others and with God. Verse 4, but when the kindness and love of our Savior appeared, He saved us. He saved us. So Paul says, yes, we're going to talk here. This is one point of focus is the way that sin destroys our lives and the lives of those around us. But don't let your focus only be captivated there. It has to move on. If you want to understand this journey, if you want to understand the totality of what salvation is, you have to understand that there is a but our God. In His loving kindness, saved us. Our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done. Now, there's another focus where churches can can get stuck. And scholars will tell us that this church in Crete was having some folks who were coming, coming over and they were part of the Jewish faith and they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but they believed that anybody who wasn't Jewish needed to become Jewish in order to become Christian. And so there were all kinds of things and rules that you needed to keep in order to say that you were a Christian. Now, they, the list may have changed, but sometimes... 
churches, Christian churches, can make our faith journey all about what we do not do or the good things that I have to do. And if I do those things, God will like me more. And if I don't do those things, God will dislike me more. We get very behavioral and get stuck focusing on do this, you know, and they could be really good things. Pray, read your Bible, make sure you tithe, make sure you give, serve the poor. Are any of those things bad? No. But when we think that's what earns us something from God, instead of there to be our responses to the God who while we were in all of those things that captivated us and enslaved us, wrote verse 4, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteousness we had done, but what? Read that with me. But because of His mercy. His mercy. And there was a way that He washed that, that he saved us. Now, we spend a lot of time when we think about salvation. We talk about sin. And then we talk about this big fancy word. Are you ready? It's the fancy word justification. And we can spend a lot of time talking about it. And it's a beautiful word. It's, it's a word we are justified. And I had a professor who liked to break that down. He's like, justification, to be justified is to be just as if I'd never had sin in my life. That the slate is wiped clean. In other words, part of salvation is about the legal ramifications the legal, the, the legal things that it, it restores, that God in His mercy sent Jesus as a Savior. And anything that was wrong, He looks and He justifies us. Makes us just as if I'd never been enslaved to all those things. Salvation takes care of and forgives the legal ramifications completely that's good news the problem is is that we've had a couple of ancient fathers of the church one being augustine who was a lawyer and so he loved to interpret all of salvation about the legal things and we get this idea of this courtroom and this angry judge who's up there and then jesus walks in and just as that judge is about to throw the book at us Jesus says, oh, but I've taken care of everything. And then the judge is like upset because he doesn't get to sentence us. And he bangs his gavel and says, get out of here. No. Does salvation restore the relationship legally that was broken down? Yes. Does forgiveness, is forgiveness so totaled that we become just as if I'd never sinned? Yes. But to make salvation all about the legal ramifications misses some of the other beautiful things. Just like Paul writes there in Titus, he says, we have been, having been justified by His grace, 
we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. You ought to underline the word heirs there. Because that means we become family. So we're justified, not just so that legal things can be... just so legal things can be taken care of, but it is to bring us into the family. To be an heir means you're a family member now. Is that good news to you? That God would do this, that the Father would do this and and would move and, and take care of all the legal ramifications and bring us into the family. He would take care of all the relational obstacles as well. And move us into his family. Now sometimes, folks, you and I, if I'm honest, sometimes we focus really a lot on that family. And we we sing that old song that I remember when I was a kid in the late 70s and early 80s. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Remember that song? If you're online, do you remember that song? And we make salvation all about just coming to church or i'm i'm here in the building sunday between 11 and 12 and i do that because mom and dad did that and grandma and grandpa did that and our church is about to be 100 years old so maybe great grandma and great granddad did that and we're just doing it and it's good and we're a family and is there anything wrong with being a family as a church no But if our focus is all about, I just go to cross-community church and I'm there from 11 to 12 on Sundays and I might attend a life group and I might put my kids in the youth group and those kinds of things and we think that's the totality of salvation, we are missing the point that Jesus and what He has done, what God has done in Christ is bigger than that focus. It takes care of the legal ramification. It takes care of the relational ramifications but there's one more and i think it's very appropriate for today it's in the second half of verse five after we talk about god's great mercy he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. See, God in His mercy was not content to leave us trapped in our sin, but would do something so radical that it would take care of the legal ramifications, it would take care of the relational ramifications, and it would take care of all the health ramifications. In the ancient church, in the Eastern Orthodox, in the Eastern side of Christian faith, they still look at sin as disease of the soul. And what is needed is the medicine of God's grace that comes to us freely through Jesus Christ. You see, folks, we have a large view. And if we're going to understand this Christian journey that you are called to, that I am called to, that you online are called to, we have to look at the totality. And we can't let our focus just be on how bad sin is. And our focus can't just be on letting go and being legally set free so that I can go to heaven someday. 
We can't just focus on the fact that there is a family that we now join. And it can't just be about I'm just getting better as a human being. It is all of those together and so much more. And that's why even in the, you might find this is just a little bit of trivia. In the church of the Nazarene that we're a part of. When it, there's not even an article of faith on salvation. Because they somehow realized it's all of these things and so much more. And so if you want to find the one on salvation, you have to look and it just says justification, regeneration, and adoption. In other words, justification, God took care of the legal stuff. Regeneration, God renews us and makes us whole and well. And God brings us into the family and adopts us as his heirs with the hope of eternal life that is so strong it begins now and will never, ever end. This is the journey of faith that we are called to, that you are called to, that you online are invited to. So, my friends, where is your focus? Are you just down in the dumps and focused on how bad the world is and I can't wait to get out of here? Ah, are you focused on, on the thing that you struggle with, the, the sin that's still there? Have you maybe experienced the joy of being set free from sin and justified? But it hasn't really made a difference in your health and your soul and the way you live your life out. Have you never joined or realized that we do this faith together? There are no individual Christians. We are the body. Of Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are called. Wherever your focus is, can I invite you to step back and see the totality of the journey that you and I are called to? And can I invite you today? To maybe pause right where you are, even in your living rooms or office, wherever you're watching from today. Can I invite you onto this great journey? One way that we can do that is through communion. That Jesus invites you to his table. And I know we have guests here on purpose today. And so I want you to know if today's your first day here, what we believe here in the church of the Nazarene and at Cross Community Church is that the table of the Lord is not my table. It's not Pastor Jeff's table. It's not Cross Community Church's table. It's not the church of the Nazarene's table. It is the table of Jesus Christ. And he wants his table full of people who are hungry and thirsty. That's the only requirement I will put before you. Are you hungry for this Jesus who wants to invite you to, to broaden your focus and to enjoy the fullness of the journey? Are you thirsty for that? 
If you can answer yes to those questions, you can take communion today. And so I'm going to invite you, some of you are doing it, let's do the noisy part. Let's open up the communion, or uh, if I can. Wow. Oh, there we go. Oh, a little bit of a spill. So let's follow what Paul wrote to Titus. Because some of our focus does need to be on our sin. And so let's, let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads before we receive. I want you to just think, God, I'm hungry. But you know in that list of things that Paul wrote, where I struggle. Oh God, may you give me the strength to embrace the larger parts of the journey. Whether I need to experience the joy of legally being forgiven, or whether I need the health restored in me, in my soul, or whether I need to remember I'm a part of the body, a part of a family, broaden my perspective. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, oh, you know what? I, I want to pause here. Does anybody not have communion that would like it? Would you just raise your hand? I want to make sure. I, w- I want the table full if they need it. We need one right here, Chris. Right here. Thank you. Anyone else right here? Go ahead. I want to make sure everybody... I, I mean what I said. I mean what I say. We want the table full. Let's pause a moment. Right back here, Chris. Thank you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and cup even with the one who was going to betray him and said, This is my body broken for you. Take and eat. That same night, he took the cup and he poured it out into a glass and said, this is my blood of the new covenant. May it preserve you blameless into eternal life. Take and drink. Lord Jesus, we don't understand how, but we believe that we receive your grace and your mercy that Paul talked about. Not because of the righteous things we've done, but just because you're that good and you're that merciful. Help us in this week to remember where our focus is. And help us to step back and see the broadness of the entire faith journey. To see the
global perspective, the universal perspective of how you long to set us free legally, relationally, and restoring our soul's health. May we walk into that with the confidence of your goodness. And may eternal life be the thing we talk about over and over and over again until that eternal life works its way into our real life and the life of our neighborhoods and communities and workplaces and schools and yes, even in our church. For we pray and we ask all of these things in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Spirit who is in us, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to send you out with blessing. If today was your first time or your first time in a long time to take communion, would you do me a favor? Come talk to me. I want to celebrate with you. I want to welcome you to the family. If you're online, send me a comment. Or you can go on our website and send me an email. I want to celebrate with you. I want to help you in whatever way to encourage you to be a part. and To step back and see the globalness of God's salvation. And now, may you, my brothers and sisters, my friends, here and online, may you step into the vision of God, which is so much greater than some small focus on sin or legalities or relationships or health, but it encompasses and saves them all. May you experience the joy that kind of salvation and may you recognize and know that you are an heir of eternal life I pray that that life would find its way out into your families and your communities pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit one God forever and ever amen go in peace if you're a motorcycle driver Start driving, get here, and we would love to have you join us. Have a great week. Go in peace. Go in his name. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.